from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Hola, and welcome to La Biblioteca, the podcast series from the Hispanic Division at the Library of Congress. I am Catalina Gomez, a reference librarian in the Hispanic Reading Room. And I am Talia Guzman Gonzalez, also reference librarian in the Hispanic Reading Room. Hola, Catalina. Hola, Talia. It's great to be back here to talk about Latin American literature and to discuss some highlights from our archive of Hispanic literature on tape. Just in case some of our listeners today are new to our podcast, in this season, we're diving deep into some of the authors and poets that have recorded for this historic audio archive, which the Library of Congress began in 1943, and which contains close to 800 audio recordings of Luso-Hispanic poets and prose writers reading from their works. And today's episode is about the Chilean poet Raúl Zurita. Working at the library, we are fortunate to meet some of these great living legends, and Raúl Zurita was one of them. He came to the library in February of 2016 and read some of his poems with translator Anna Dini reading her translations. Zurita is without a doubt one of the most important 20th century Latin American poets. He was born in Santiago, Chile in 1950, and he is the author of more than 20 books of poetry, including Purgatorio, from 1979, Ante Paraíso, from 1982, and Las Ciudades de Agua, from 2007. His poetry speaks about the injustices and suffering during Chile's military dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet, about community, and also about hope. He is the winner of numerous prizes, among them the National Prize of Literature in Chile and the Premio Pablo Neruda. He recorded for the Archive of Hispanic Literature on Tape in 1985. And now we will listen to an interview that we did with Anna Dini some weeks ago. Anna Dini teaches at the Center for Latin American Studies at Georgetown University. She's a literary critic and a translator who received her doctoral degree from the University of California, Berkeley. Her translations of Raul Zurita's work include Purgatory, Dreams for Kurosawa, and Sky Below. Other authors translated by Dini are Mercedes Rofe, Alejandra Pizarnik, Nicanor Parra, Gabriela Mistral, Marosa Di Giorgio, Idea Vilariño, and Malu Urriola. She's currently writing a book called Other Solitudes, which considers trans-American dialogues on consciousness and poetry. Let's listen to the interview with Ana Dini. Hola, Ana. It's so good to have you here with us uh, to record this, this podcast. You're such a dear friend of the Library of Congress and of our reading room, and it's always a pleasure to see you. Hola, Catalina and Talia, and thank you so much for this um, invitation to be here. It's, it's a huge honor. Thank you for being here in La Biblioteca. Yes. Um, you basically are the perfect person to speak about Raúl Zurita, um, the Chilean poet that we're discussing today. You actually came here to the library last year and um, joined Zurita in a beautiful reading where he read his poems and you read um, your own translations of, of his poems in English. Um, what can you tell our, our listeners about Raul Zurita? Um, well, first of all, um, I, I would like to acknowledge other translators of his work 
uh, because I, I believe that this is a work that a lot of us are doing. Um, so there's a, a great poet and translator named Daniel Borzutsky, uh, who actually just won the National Book Award mm -hmm. um, for his book, um, The Performance of Becoming Human. And so he has translated Canto a su Amor Desaparecido and has also done a different type of um, anthology called um, the country of planks. And then there's William Rowe, who's a writer and translator who uh, lives in England, and he has translated Inri. So mm -hmm. I just Great. want to also acknowledge their work that, mm -hmm. do you know, when you translate someone's work, it's not like you become a centripetal force of their work, right? Mm -hmm. You're just one voice among many different ways mm -hmm. of interpreting this writer's work. Um, however, I appreciate uh, the chance to speak about Raul mm Zurita -hmm. uh, as much as I can. Um, so, so I'm going to introduce Zurita by reading a poem that is one of the first poems of his first book called Purgatorio, which was published in 1979. This is the poem. Domingo en la mañana. Uno, me amanezco, se ha roto una columna, soy una santa, digo. So this is Sunday morning, one. I wake up, a column has broken. I'm a sainted woman, I say. The reason why I think this is a good introduction to thinking about Zurita and his biography is because so Zurita was born in 1951 in Santiago, Chile. But really a moment that marked his work definitively is a historical moment, which is the golpe de estado, the coup d'etat, on September 11th, 1973. Mm -hmm. So for this book to begin with that line, me amanezco, mm -hmm. and domingo en la mañana, mm -hmm. Um, the, the symbolic value of that is that this historical moment marks definitively his work for the rest of his life. Um, so it was a moment in which on September 11th, 1973, at around 6 in the morning, um, there was um, a coup d'etat in Valparaíso, which is one of the main ports of Chile, and also in Santiago, where the moneda, the capital, was bombarded. And Raúl Zurita, along with many, many young people, people who worked in as labor organizers, um, anybody who worked um, in the solidarity of the people and in solidarity with Salvador Allende, who was the president at the time, um, they were rounded up on the streets and placed in prisons. And Raúl Zurita was placed in the in the hold of a ship called the Maipo, which was docked at in the port of mm -hmm. Valparaíso, and so. When he was um, in the hold of this ship, uh, he had poems in a notebook in his pocket. And he's explained how the, the soldiers believed that these poems that were actually very avant-garde poems that are found mm -hmm. in Purgatorio were um, secret uh, uh, leftist um, code. Mm -hmm. And so they said, what is this? And they took it away from him and they threw it away. And so he mm -hmm. lost his poems. And so in his mind, and this is actually what a lot of writers, a lot of individuals say if they've been detained during this or any period, and it's that they elaborated and they worked very deeply in their memory to um, build the poems back again in their minds 
So with the hope that at the moment in which they get out, they have the opportunity to write those poems down again. And so that's what Raul Zurita did. Mm. So actually, a section of Purgatorio, his first book, uh, he had been working on in the period before the coup d'etat, but then he finished the work after. when he was finally released and it was published in 1979. At that time, because it was such an avant-garde work, it actually wasn't perceived as a work that spoke against Pinochet's dictatorship. It was actually perceived because of the review of an important critic uh, for um, um, a journal of the right called El Mercurio. It was viewed as a, um, like the new, avant-garde work of the new mm-hmm. modern free market state, mm-hmm. which was Pinochet's mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. So, so he was actually lauded by, by mm-hmm. this critic, Ignacio Valente. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Valente saw in his work was a deep religious sentiment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it wasn't seen as, as offensive to mm-hmm. the state. You mentioned the religious sentiment, and it's something, the religious imagery is something mm-hmm. that's very present mm-hmm. in, in his poems, right? It's very evident. Could you talk a bit about the themes that we can find, overall themes that we can find in Zurita's mm-hmm. um, poetry? Mm-hmm. Well, something that uh, Zurita himself has often said is that in the Spanish language, were you to remove uh, Christianity, mm-hmm. you would leave a large hole, dejaría un grande vacío, because it's impossible to speak Spanish without that um, uh, religious sentiment, without the models of religion mm-hmm. um, embedded in it, no? Vaya con Dios. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same yeah. in English, good, goodbye, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Vaya con Dios. Dios si, si Dios quiere, Dios right? Mañana. All of these almost stitches of mm-hmm. language of everyday life That's are embedded so mm-hmm. with... with um, with this religion. doesn't matter if you're, a, if you're a believer or not. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. You, you can't escape it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's that one element that he's mm. spoken of as far as language is concerned. What I think is happening beginning in purgatory is actually a slow, steady displacement of the centripetal Christ figure. Mm-hmm. So basically an undermining of, an, of the need of Christianity to require the sacrifice of one individual for the group, which is the Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of having this one, this, this religious form that requires the sacrifice of one man for the group, Surita, I think in his work, what he begins to develop in purgatory is the idea that if just one man falls, in this case, because of the ferocity of a military state, we all fall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the murder of one, the rape of one, the torture of one is the torture, the rape, the murder, the abuse of the entire group. Mm -hmm. So so in other words, we don't need a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And to unbind the demand for the sacrifice of Christ is to unbind the, the cornerstone of Christianity, mm-hmm. which is that sacrifice of the Father for the Son. So um, there's a poem in particular in which this happens in Purgatorio, and it's one of the Desert of Atacama poems. So for, for today's conversation, we, ha- we asked you, Anna, to listen to uh, the recording that Zurita did here 
uh, for our archive. Um, uh, he did this recording in 1985. So what poem or poems did you choose from the recording to discuss? So I chose um, the three poems that in the recording he calls fragmentos of the section called Cordilleras of Anteparaiso, which was his second book that he published in 1982. So um, these are poems that if you know anything about Bob Dylan, uh, um, this first poem, poem 101, mm -hmm. Ciento Uno, which he also calls Ajalejos mm -hmm. in the book, in the recording, and it's also, that's the name in the book. Mm -hmm. um, these are the lines from the, the um, 1965 Bob Dylan song called Highway 61, Revisited. Oh, oh God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Abe says, Abe says, man, you must be putting me on. God say, no, Abe. Abe say, what? God say, you can do what you want, Abe, but the next time you see me coming, you better run. Well, Abe says, where do you want this killing done? God says, out on Highway 61. Oh. So this is the first uh, stanza of Bob Dylan's song. Mm -hmm. And so um, Zurita basically takes it word by word. Mm -hmm. um, for his poem, oh, for this wow. first poem. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to read that. And But the story, as you know, is from Genesis 22. Mm -hmm. And it's when God wants to know the extent of, of Abraham's loyalty mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. And so he, to understand the extent of his loyalty, he tries to understand the extent of his possible cruelty. Yes. Mm -hmm. so, um, so for Zurita and for Bob Dylan, it's a way of seeing how perfectly normal everyday people can be caused, incited to do atrocious things mm -hmm. because they were told by someone who they see as powerful. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, and so for Zurita and I think for Bob Dylan, this begins with, with this mm -hmm. model of, yeah. of Christianity and, and in this case, Judaism. <laughs> so let's listen to the poem. Thank you. Eh, me llamo Raúl Zurita, soy de Santiago, Chile. Nací el año 51. En realidad he publicado dos libros, el libro Purgatorio, el año 69, y el libro Anteparaíso, el año 1982. Voy a leer del libro Anteparaíso dos fragmentos de dos poemas, del poema Cordilleras. Allá lejos, 101. Se hacía tarde ya cuando tomándome de un hombro me ordenó, anda y mátame a tu hijo. Vamos, le repuse sonriendo, ¿me estás tomando el pelo acaso? Bueno, si no quieres hacerlo es asunto tuyo, pero recuerda quién soy, así que después no te quejes. Conforme me escuché contestarle, ¿Y dónde quieres que cometa ese asesinato? Entonces, como si fuera el aullido del viento quien hablase, él dijo, lejos, en esas perdidas cordilleras de Chile. 102, allá lejos. Con la cara ensangrentada llamé a su puerta. ¿Podría ayudarme? le dije. Tengo unos amigos afuera. Márchate de aquí, me contestó antes de que te eche a patadas. Vamos, le observé. Usted sabe que también rechazaron a Jesús. 
tú no eres él, me respondió. Ándate o te rompo la crisma. Yo no soy tu padre. Por favor, le insistí. Los tipos que están afuera son hijos suyos. De acuerdo, contestó suavizándose. Llévalos a la tierra prometida. Bien, pero ¿dónde queda ese sitio? Pregunté. Entonces, como si fuera una estrella la que lo dijese, me respondió, lejos, en esas perdidas cordilleras de Chile. Allá lejos, 103. Despertado de pronto en sueños, lo oí tras la noche. Oye, Zurita, me dijo, toma a tu mujer y a tu hijo y te largas de inmediato. No macanees, le repuse, déjame dormir en paz. Soñaba con unas montañas que marchan. Olvida esas estupideces y apúrate, me urgió. No vas a creer que tienes todo el tiempo del mundo. El duche se está acercando. Escúchame, contesté. Recuerda que hace mucho ya que me tienes a la sombra. No intentarás repetirme el cuento. Yo no soy José. Sigue la carretera y no discutas. Muy pronto sabrás la verdad. Está bien, le repliqué casi llorando. ¿Y dónde podrá ella alumbrar tranquila? Entonces, como si fuera la misma cruz la que se iluminase, él contestó, lejos, en esas perdidas cordilleras de Chile. 101 from Cordilleras of Anteparaíso. It was getting late when he took hold of my shoulder and ordered, go and kill me your son. Come on, I grinned. You're kidding, right? Well, if you don't want to, that's your choice. But remember who I am, and then don't you complain. Willing, I heard myself answer him. And where do you want this killing done? Then, as if it were the wind howl that spoke, he said, far off in those lost cordilleras of Chile. 102. With my face blood-soaked, I called at his door. Could you help me? I said. I've got some friends out here. Go away, he replied, before I kick the shit out of you. Come on, I reminded him. Sir, you know they also turned Jesus back. You're not Jesus, he answered. Get or I'll break your face. I'm not your father. Please, I insisted. They're your sons. Fine, he said, calming down. Take them to the promised land. Okay, but where is that place, I asked. Then, as if it were a star that spoke, he answered, far off, in those lost cordilleras of Chile. 103. Awoken suddenly from dreams, I heard him in the night. Listen, Zurita, he said. Get your wife and your son and leave now. Don't screw with me, I said. Let me sleep in peace. I was dreaming about these mountains that went. Forget that shit and get out of here, he was adamant. Don't think you have so much time. The deuce is closing in. Listen, I said. Remember that for a while now you've kept me in the dark. Don't try to do it again. I'm not Joseph. Stay on this road and don't argue. Soon you'll know the truth. Fine, I said back, almost weeping. 
and where could she safely have the child? Then, as if the cross itself illumined, he responded, far off in those lost cordilleras of Chile. That is wonderful. I like the image of the cordilleras de Chile, right? That he repeats in all three poems, and they mean something different in all of them. I have a question about translation because um, you are, as you said, you know, the beginning among others, <laughs> a translator of Surita's work. Uh, you po uh, you translated Purgatory, which was published by the University of California Press in 2009. Then Dreams of Kurosawa. It was published twice, first by Arrow as Arrow Press in 2012, and then in India by Almost Island in 2015. Yes. And then your most recent translation is Sky Below, Selected Works, published by North Northwestern University Press in 2016. How do you approach the work of translation, and especially translating an author that is still alive, right, and it's someone... Um, with whom you have such a close personal and professional connection, right? Like, uh, like Raul Surita. Mm -hmm. um, so I think any, this is translation for me, mm -hmm. right? So I, I think to begin with, translation is a genre. Mm -hmm. So um, just as someone who's working in the genres of poetry, the genres of narrative, the genres of film, the visual arts, music, each individual who works in those uh, genres has their own approach to that mm -hmm. work. So that's the first thing. Um, so I think that to, to respond first to your last question, <laughs> um, when you read someone else's work deeply, you understand someone else. Mm -hmm. So any act of close reading, any act of for me, in this case, translation is understanding another person. And what I've noticed throughout the years is that um, sometimes this is a better way of understanding that person than fumbling through mm. other forms of language. Mm -hmm. So in other words, poetry, I believe in particular, um, provides an opportunity to understand the complexity of the human mind and spirit in a way that um, just talking to someone directly yes. isn't necessarily the mm -hmm. case. So, so I think that we've gotten to know one another mm -hmm. through our conversations through the text. Mm -hmm. So Anna, do you have a personal anecdote of working and traveling with Raul Zurita that you could share with us today? I have many, many memories that come to mind of, of having the opportunity to travel and read with Raul Zurita. One of them is um, of a few years ago when an Indian writer named Sharmista Mohanty had invited Raul to participate in some dialogues with other Indian writers from um, in New Delhi. And so we traveled there and we read together and it was the evening and we were in this courtyard under a, a beautiful tree. And in the background as we read there was a Muslim wedding occurring. Mm -hmm. And so we could hear this typical wind instrument that I don't know the name of playing as we 
as we read. And it just seemed, it just seemed like a miracle to me that I was there and having the opportunity to, to dialogue with people from different regions of India, um, to dialogue with the music mm -hmm. that was occurring at the same time, with the traffic that you could hear around us in New Delhi. Another memory I have is from about uh, six years ago. I wrote to Raul and his wife, Pauli, and I said, I'm coming to Chile. I'd really like to go see the writing in the desert, which is ni pena ni miedo, that he had bulldozed into the landscape at the end of the Chilean dictatorship. And he said, I haven't been there in 20 years. Pauli has never gone. Let's just go together. So we took a flight up to Antofagasta, and he couldn't find the, the pilot that knew how to get there mm. uh, via helicopter. So we went with a group of people in their trucks through the desert. And it was very, very hard to find, but they knew how to find it. And the desert was dizzying. It felt like being in the middle of massive waves without a sense of orientation. And finally, we made it to, to the writing in the desert, uh, which is where I took the photograph that's on the front of, of the selected works that just came out. It's called Sky Below. But um, the, the letters were, are so massive that you jump into them. They're over a meter deep and uh, about one and a half um, miles long. So. Um, so it was just it was just extraordinary to be there. And when I think about the poems that he has written in the section, particularly in Purgatory, his first book called The Desert of Atacama and the convergence and divergence of the landscapes, be actually being in that landscape um, and, and its its arid quality and the dizzying and the lack of a sense of of um, of perspective really changed how I understood his work. What's interesting is that when he wrote that work, he had actually never been to the desert of Atacama. Mm -hmm. When he wrote one of the most well-known sections of his poetry, he had actually never been to the desert. So the desert existed as something in his imagination, which in the end is what everything is. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. everything is a construction. Everything is how we have written it and how we've imagined it, no? Before we leave, um, would you recommend to our listeners who have never read anything by Raul Surita, where do they start? Where, where with should purgatory. they? Purgatory. Yeah, with, with students, you know, um, students always come to class. I've never read poetry. They come from all different fields and there's something about purgatory that really resonates with youth. And mm -hmm. I think that, or with a lot of people, but you know, since who we teach are young people, right? Mm -hmm. That um, it was a poem, a book he wrote when he was very young. He was in his 20s. And like all young people, he felt a great sense of passion combined with hope and fear and passionate friendships, passionate loves youth are blossoming people and unfortunately 
during many regimes, the people they target are youth, mm -hmm. right? And so um, it's their assaults on youth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's something about that book that really resonates with, with young people and, um, and how they feel. Excellent. Well, Anna, thank you so much oh, for thank this you, wonderful Catalina. conversation. Yeah, thank this was you. a real pleasure. Thank you. This is it for today. Thank you for joining us in La Biblioteca. Thank you for tuning in. To listen to some of the recordings from the Archive of Hispanic Literature on tape, go to www.loc.gov. You can find the project by clicking on our Digital Collections link on the homepage and selecting the Audio Recordings Collections category. You can also find it by going to the library's Hispanic Divisions website, which is www.loc.gov slash rr slash Hispanic. Hasta pronto! This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.